I often think of life as being like a circus. And when people say circus, they first think, oh, well, chaos and, you know, crazy and life's a circus. That's what it means. But if you've been to a circus, you know that that is not the case at all. There is nothing more orderly than a circus. A lot is going on. You've got three rings, somebody in each of them. But no one is getting shot out of a cannon at the wrong time, (laughs) right? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the Slow Smoke Business Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Morgan, and I am joined by Miss Laura Vanderkam, who is uh, a renowned author of several books on time management, something if you know me personally, you know I need a lot of help on. So we've got Miss Laura here. Welcome to the show, Laura. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, well, uh, I need all the help I can get when it comes to time management and organization. And uh, I've read two of your books now. And they're outstanding, and they're very practical and really cool. And so I was hoping you could share some of that with us today. But before we get into that, I don't even know if I've revealed to you yet in the in the preamble here before we got recording what it is we're cooking. Do you know what we're cooking today? I have no idea what you're cooking. We like... are making beef skewers and stuffed mushrooms. Um, and I'm doing stuffed mushrooms only because I want to eat this as lunch when I get done, and I want to have a side. <laughs> so... Uh, we have some nice cuts of beef that I've already kind of pre-seasoned a little bit, and we're going to put these bad boys on the grill. I've actually um, I used a mayonnaise binder on this one, which is, I don't normally do that on beef. It seems really redneck to do, but, you know, it actually works really well. Do you ever uh, do you ever cook outside? We do. We do. I um, have a grill outside that I do steak on, hot dogs on. I'm sure we could do all sorts of other stuff. Uh, done a few skewer type type meals um i don't think i've stuffed mushrooms but uh, maybe i'll have to try it <laughs> don't uh, don't let the skewers intimidate you folks it's just steak on a stick is all that is so uh i'm trying to fit these things in so i can it's also like trying to cook but then think of camera angles is a whole nother thing too right <laughs> so i'm i'm seasoning it with this like blackened seasoning that has like actual like charcoal in it and it's really cool i've done steaks with it a few times and it makes for uh, a really cool kind of crust on it. And I hit these mushrooms. These stuffed mushrooms are stuffed with um, like crawfish stuffing, which is, uh, I can't take credit for that. They were from my favorite butcher shop here in Alabama, where I live. So um, always season both sides, right, Laura? It's a you have good any grilling advice for t- life in general, right? Exactly. Do you have any grilling time management secrets? That's what I need to know. <laughs> well, you know, you got to get the grill started before you think you do, because then you're always That's waiting right. for it to, to heat up. Um, I, I'm a big fan of the, the meat thermometer, um, just oh, yeah. so that you're not guessing and cutting into your meat randomly. Uh, you know, it's better to, better to know next, for sure. Next time we will – look at me trying to do some side, like, throws here. Next time – we will need to. I'll come up with some like grilling analogies for some of the points in your book that are so good. You know, we'll we'll figure that out. Okay, so the first book um, I wanted to talk about was a book of yours that I read several years ago. It was the first time I ever came across, or you came across my radar, which was what most successful people do before breakfast, right? And um, that was. It's a shorter book, right? You wrote did, and and so when you wrote that book. What were you trying to accomplish 
with that? What was the point that you were trying to get across? Yeah, so it was about you know twelve years ago, I think, that I wrote the first part of this book, um, which was a very short ebook called "What the Most Successful People Do Before Breakfast," and, and this was when people were kind of trying to figure out, you know, how is the internet going to change publishing? And one of the ideas we had was Kindle singles, basically, like that you would have a yes. short read. Something right. didn't have to be a 250-page book in order for somebody to read it if you have electronic possibilities. Like you don't have to justify the cost of printing and binding with a longer book. You could just do whatever length that it needs to be. Um, so with with my publisher, who I'd worked with on a couple other books, we came up with this idea to, to do a short book, very short book, on morning routines. And I liked the, the phrase, what the most successful people do before breakfast. I knew it was a bit of a clickbait uh, title. But uh, yeah, the, the book is all about how to build and maintain a morning routine that allows you to use those hours in the morning to make progress on your goals. Because mornings really are a great time for many people to get stuff done. This tends to be time you can have to yourself before everybody else wants something from you, before the emergencies happen at work, the emergencies happen at home, you know, everyone needs X, Y, or Z. At the end of the day, you're just tired. You can't rally yourself to do great things. But in the morning, maybe you can. So right. I found that people who had full, busy lives but were also managing to exercise regularly or, you know, write that great American novel or had some sort of serious spiritual discipline that they were practicing regularly, almost inevitably, they were getting up early to do it. Yeah. What I love about your book, too, is the way that you, well, both the books that I've read of yours, that one and the one we're going to get to in a minute, Tranquility by Tuesday, um, is that it's very practical. And it, I do remember it was actually, it was a, a Kindle single that I read. And so, I had never read one of those before, and it was short, and it was to the point, and I loved it. And um, what I loved about the way you laid that book out, and really the way all of your writing is laid out, is it's there's there's like actionable things in there that you can take. And the biggest takeaway I got from what most successful people do before breakfast really sets it apart from all of the um, – goofy Huffington Post insider articles that are like what Bill Gates does before he eats his oatmeal. And like, there's, there's like, you wrote that book way before those articles had become like the snarky little thing that you see about once a week in your, in your newsfeed. Right. Um, there's like a million of those now where it's like Elon Musk only eats carbs between on even hours and like <laughs> weird stuff. And none of it's actionable, right? All it yeah, is, yeah. is it's sort of like, as a guy who was trying to grow a business at the time as an entrepreneur, I'd be reading it and it was almost like, um, like entrepreneur shaming, right? Where you'd be reading <laughs> it and you're like, wow, he, Elon says he reads 400 pages between the hours of five and six. And you go, oh, well, I'm not doing that. I'm right? not doing that. And I'm eating carbs. So. <laughs> and I'm eating carbs, right? So <laughs> what, what was great about that book was when you get to the end of it, you talked about architecting your perfect morning and your perfect routine. And that was the thing that for me, um, I took that and I built a morning routine that I follow. And, you know, life happens. It's not every morning. Sometimes things get in the way. But most mornings I'm following this routine. And the mornings that I follow the routine that I built after reading your book, you can see my productivity is probably 30 to 40% higher, right? Um, just because I get up, I do my thing, I have my my prayer time and then I'm planning my day and then I go to the gym and then I do the, you know, if I do all those things in the order that I like to do them in, man, like by 11 o'clock in the morning, I am 
you know, I have already done a ton of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it it feels really good to start the day with a victory. Um, and, and whatever else happens during the day, you know, you have already done those things. And, and partly because morning routines are routine, like we do them over and over again, we can take small steps toward our big goals, but those small steps add up. I mean, it really doesn't have to be a lot. I've always sort of run numbers for people who are like, I want to write a book. And it's like, well, okay, could you write, I don't know, 200, 300 words a morning and do it four mornings a week, you'll have a book in a year. Um, and none of that takes that much time. I mean, most of us have sent 200 words of emails by like 9.15 a.m. <laughs> but uh, if you focus it and, and do it regularly, it, it all adds up. Yeah, I mean, you being an author, there's probably never anybody I've, I've had on the show that has to practice what they preach more than an author who preaches time management, right? Because this, the, the, the discipline it takes to write a book has got to be pretty crazy. How many books have you written now? Um, a lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> How many do you people, want to claim? People know, people know about my six, roughly six books on time management. We'll, we'll, talk, uh, we'll talk about the six books on time management. <laughs> so that's, um, well, I want to dive into that answer for a second. So you have written a lot of things that maybe have not been published or that people some, don't know about? Yeah. No, I've, well, I've written some that haven't been published. I've written some on other topics that people just don't know about as much. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I ghost wrote books for people when I was Ooh. starting out in the writing business. Like there, there's just a lot of writing out there that I have done, <laughs> but yes. it's, it truly is. Um, you know, it, it, volume is, is just a function of you keep going, right? Like you, yeah. you don't have to do much, but you have to keep going. And if I've been writing for 20 years and you're doing it every day, that, that's just kind of a lot of stuff. That's wild. That's that's uh, that's a lot of writing. So was it? You know, was this something when you were in school? You were just like the person that loved English class and <laughs> literature and whatnot, or is this something that came later in life? Well, I've always loved writing, and I, I definitely did want to be a writer. That there were many other things I was interested in, and the fun part of what I do for a living now is it really combines a lot of those things. Um, I'm very into math, and okay. time management is math with denominators of 24 and 168, <laughs> uh, 8,760. I, I, I like looking at that and I like um, doing research. So doing like my time diary research projects or I look at, you know, how do hundreds of people spend their time and what conclusions can we draw from that? Um, I also like to do a lot of performing when I was younger and now I do a lot of speaking and the way I do my speeches, it's really more of a one woman show than any sort of PowerPoint extravaganza. And so I'm, I'm really enjoying that part too. That's really cool. I, I, one woman show, I'd like to see that. There's what usually you see people that are doing Ted talk things and it's a slideshow kind of ordeal. So I wonder if you're like, when you say that, I see like you with a, one of those like one man band kind of things with all the <laughs> well, instruments and things. Probably there's no instruments, like um, okay. but, but I'm, I'm, te <laughs> I'm telling stories. I'm, you know, telling jokes. It's, it's more of that. So I want I want to time management right is the thing that that you're known for, um, and when you wrote Tranquility by Tuesday, which I found in a uh, little bookstore when I was out uh, doing my planning for the year, I take a day away and I go off and I, I plan out my year and I write a bunch of things down. And when I was taking a break, I wrote in, I went into a little bookstore, and this jumped out at me and I started reading it. And then about um, after reading through some of the, the beginning of it, I realized it was you, right? I was like, oh, my God, this is Laura Vanderkam, the person that wrote that book that I love. Um, what 
is um, you've got you've got nine steps in here, nine nine sort of ways to calm the chaos, as you say. Uh, which I, after finishing this book, immediately got it to my wife and was like, all right, we got to adopt some of this stuff, right? Because we have three kids and I have three kids and two businesses and a charity and a podcast and a partridge in a pear tree. And I've got all the chaos going on, but I want to be effective. And the only way to be effective is to be able to do it for a long time and sustainably. And the only way to do that is to sort of calm things. And so what was alluring to about your book was the word tranquility, right? Is the fact that you can do all of those things and it be peaceful. So what do you mean by, when you say tranquility, what do you mean by that when you, when it comes to productivity? Yeah. So uh, tranquility is kind of a complicated word. And, and when I first think of it, you might be like up in the mountains all by yourself in a cabin <laughs> right. for three months. And it sounds like in both of our lives, that is highly unlikely to happen. Yes. Um, so, it's like, well, what is this? Uh, tranquility on Tuesday. And apparently it's just alliteration. It could have been wellness by Wednesday or thriving by Thursday. But I, I guess what I like about the, the tranquility part is more thinking of the definition of serenity. Okay. And if you think about serenity and particularly something like the famous serenity prayer, which is what recovering alcoholics are praying, like, you know, give me the... Um, courage to change what I can, accept what I cannot change, know the difference is something like that. But, you know, they're not, they're not saying this in a life where all is, you know, calm and peaceful on a mountaintop. It's that you want the ability to focus on what matters within chaos, within things that are not always going as they are supposed to, um, when you cannot necessarily control all the stuff that is around you, but that you can control how you react to it. You can control certain aspects that you can change, certain habits you can develop that make life feel more doable. So we want to be serene even as life is going on around us, even as you have, you know, in your case, the, the three kids, the two businesses and oh, the yeah. podcast, um, you know, with all the things that can arise with that. I often, I often think of life as being like a circus. And when people say circus, they first think, oh, well, chaos and, you know, crazy and life's a circus. That's what it means. But if you've been to a circus, you know that that is not the case at all. There is nothing more orderly than a yeah. circus. A lot is going on. You've got three rings, somebody in each right. of them. But no one is getting shot out of a cannon at the wrong time, <laughs> right? Like, you... You know where everything is supposed to be. You've got setups for when things go wrong, how you deal with it, what comes in next. And and so that's kind of how I think, you know, like the ringmaster of a circus, that sort of tranquility, serenity, whatever word you want to use. But that is what we are going for. That's such a great analogy, too, because I never really thought about it that way. You say like, oh, my life is a circus. And it does. You think it's just one crazy thing after another but that's sort of like looking at a circus from the perspective of the person sitting in the stands and you are getting surprised by all these things going on but if you're in the circus you're right it's a highly orchestrated time efficient sort of this is when the lion's coming out and this is here's the little guys walking around with his hat on fire and everything's orderly right and yeah. i think that's um that's a great analogy what I, what what's cool about your book, uh, when I sort of blended into my life, is for the longest time, I always admired people who were able to accomplish things just so much. And and I remember I remember the time that I had this thing that I said 
out loud when I saw like I was I don't know it was Beyonce or something was on TV and she's doing all this crazy stuff and I was like you know Beyonce only has 24 hours in a day just like I do right and how do these people get this done Elon Musk and all these other folks and I remember thinking at the time too and this is a really random person to bring up but Ryan Seacrest right everybody <laughs> knows Ryan Seacrest like why do we laugh when we say that we should we all but be like Ryan Seacrest <laughs> we should all be listen if I could have Ryan Seacrest's hair you know you know how <laughs> my self-esteem on the rise but Ryan Seacrest um, is was was on like the Regis and Kelly show all the time or something like that or he was on he was on that show he has a daily radio show a weekend countdown and he was hosting things off and on like American Idol and all these other things I remember thinking to myself how does this dude do all of that all seemingly at the same time and what ended up what you sort of learn if you dig into that is one he's got a very very uh regimented daily routine and he has people helping him and he is only doing the parts that only he can do and he outsources the other parts and he's also not doing them all at once like he's got at one point he's doing radio and then there's you know then he's immediately recording something that then gets released on the weekend some of it's kind of an illusion but your um the things that you have in your writings are the kinds of things that you would have to adopt in order to try to try to live a life where you were affecting and doing that much all at once. Yeah. And, and I really do think we can get a lot done and often, you know, things that look complicated and hard from the outside, when you have good routines in place might not be, um, you know, it's just another day on the job. You, you think about like that clown that's balancing, you know, 20 plates on his hands and his head. And, you know, you add one more, he's just kind of smiling. Like it's not difficult to him. Right. This this is just what he right. does. Um, and, and, and so I think it's the same thing with people who are good at what they do and have good routines in place um, and have good support. Even if it looks really, really challenging from the outside, it can be, you know, just another day on the job for them. All right. Well, shout out Ryan Seacrest. Right. So the, exactly. uh, being the inspiration. <laughs> Maybe he's so, who I need to write about next. I'm like, <laughs> exactly. How the, the time secrets of, of, Ryan, of Seacrest. Ryan Seacrest. Right. No, I think um, so. I think everybody should. If, you, if you're at all interested in time management, you should check out Laura's writings, particularly Tranquility by Tuesday. But I, uh, and so I want people to read the book, so I'm not going to read the nine rules off because I think they need to go find out for themselves. But I was hoping you could pick maybe one thing in there that we can sort of dive into. I have my personal favorite, but I would like to see what would you like to share out of the book to kind of give a little bit of a teaser. Well, since we've been talking about morning routines earlier, I mean, I can go ahead and start with rule number one, yes. which is to give yourself a bedtime. And oh. this sounds like a very simple, straightforward rule, and it, it is. Um, it is also life-changing. <laughs> and and here's what's what's happening. I think, you know, a lot of people feel, especially if they're in the busy years of life, so if they're raising families, they're, you know, building a career, involved in their communities, you can feel like you are sacrificing sleep to do this. You may feel tired a lot of the time. And yet there's a bit of a paradox here because, you know, I've done time diary studies. I've seen big ones that other organizations have done. Most people actually do get enough sleep from a quantitative perspective. Like if you track them over a week, they are averaging, you know, close to eight hours a day. And that sounds really good. And yet people never believe me when I tell them that <laughs> because they're like, no, 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 I cannot possibly be. And what, what it tends to happen is that we aren't getting our seven to eight hours every day. 
right? So people undershoot and overshoot on various days. And, you know, Sunday morning you sleep in, so you're not tired on Sunday night. You have to wake up the crack of dawn on Monday, so you're starting the week with a sleep debt. Monday is go, 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 go. And so, you know, at the end of the day, you haven't had any me time. You're like, well, I'm going to have it now. So you're staying up late, scrolling around online, stay up late. Tuesday, again, have to be up at the crack of dawn. So now your sleep debt is accumulating and you're thinking like, oh, I don't sleep much at all. Then your body starts making you make it up, <laughs> right? right? And so yeah. you start substituting sleep for other things. You crash on the couch while you're watching TV at night. You sleep through an alarm. You hit snooze. Um, you know, Saturday, you sleep in, you take a nap, stay up late Saturday night, sleep in Sunday night. Whole thing happens again. Um, that is what is going on. People are undershooting and overshooting the amount they need every day in a way that makes it very difficult to establish good routines or to have enough energy. Um, and, and so given that you can't actually save time by skimping on sleep, like you have to make it up somewhere else, it is so much better to just get the amount of sleep you need every single night. And right. since most adults, at least during the week, have a time that they need to wake up for work or family responsibilities, the only variable you can move is when you go to bed the night before. And so I'm telling people like, figure out how much sleep you need, figure out what time you need to wake up, count back, yeah. and that is your bedtime. Yeah, that's it. it. It, that's it. It's it's just math. It's not about what kind of person you are. It's not about what kind of life you lead. It's it's just a number. You know, you need eight hours of sleep. You got to wake up at six. Your bedtime is ten. If you wake up at six thirty, you need seven and a half hours of sleep. Your bedtime is eleven. Like, figure it out. Yeah. Set some sort of signal, like thirty minutes before you need to be in bed, where you can make a decision. Like, am I cruising toward bed, or do I have a really good reason to stay up? And if you do great. Stay up. Like, that's fine. You're an adult. You can do it. You can stay up all night if you want. But if you don't, like if you're just doing stupid stuff online, you may as well stop that, get ready for bed, get into bed on time, wake up with enough energy to handle your responsibilities. Yeah. And, and it's not hard. It, it's just people don't want to do it. Like I, I saw a meme recently online. that was somebody who was saying, I would do absolutely anything to get eight hours of sleep except go to bed eight hours before I need to get up. Yeah, right, <laughs> like, right. It's pretty much all you have to do. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the thing people say they want more and more, and you're right. It really just comes down to discipline. I'm going to check the skewers while we're talking. I was going to say, let's you know, not burn that meat. Yeah, you're making me nervous let's here. Don't, no, no, no. We're, I've, got, I've got the grill on like 275, so we're oh, okay. nice and low. Right. Um, oh, yeah, baby, that's what we're looking for. So we're going to flip this over. Um, that's my internal monologue talking, and sometimes I forget I've, I'm on a podcast, and I gotta <laughs> start open it. Yeah, baby. Um, so one one of the things that I think is, you know, interesting about what I said earlier. You know, I said, oh, I love your love your first book, and you know, morning routine. It was life changing, all this good stuff. But I said, you know, life happens. You know what life happens usually is I don't go to bed on time. Mm -hmm. And then that's those are the days that I don't do my morning routine. Right. Yep. Hello. Um, which is why. Yeah. When rule number one hit in this book, I thought I feel seen. You know, <laughs> like it's 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 true. It really it really is. And then you're playing catch up uh, the entire rest of the day. Mm hmm. Um, it just doesn't work. It doesn't. It doesn't scale. And I think it's it's hard to do that a hundred percent of the time. But you know, I think the more you do it, the more effective you are. Now, my question for you, 
which was something uh, I did say. Laura's one of the five people I wanted to have on the podcast this year because I started the year reading her book and a couple others, and it was great. But I want to know, and inquiring minds want to know, how would you rate your own time management skills? Um, I think I do pretty good. I, I do. Okay. I mean, I, I don't say that I'd always get an A+, plus, but I'm usually in the, in the A range. Um, and I, I track it, too. I mean, I record my time, so I see how I'm spending my time, and I can see, am I following my own rules? Like, am I taking my own advice? Um, and, and the bedtime thing has gotten better and better. I, I go to bed at 11 p.m., and uh, sometimes I don't. Like a couple weeks ago, I went with one of my kids to the Taylor Swift concert. Oh, we were out until about two a.m. <laughs> so that night, I did not observe my bedtime, but most nights I do, and it has gotten to be enough of a habit that I don't question it so much anymore. I'm not like, oh, you know, let me just stay up another half hour doing whatever. I just no, I'll, I'll, I'm going to be happier if I go to bed. I will get time tomorrow if there's something I want to do. Is that the hardest rule of yours for your for for you to adhere to, or is there another one? I think it's that and the effortful before effortless, which is actually on the other end. That is rule number nine, the last yeah. of the nine rules. But it's about how you spend your leisure time, um, and making sure to have some sort of uh, more active leisure pursuit that you do in that time. That's always hard to do anything else with the time that we tend to scroll around online, watch Netflix, and things like that. Yeah, just, I mean, really cool stuff. So are you working on another book now? Um, not yet. I'm, I'm tossing around a couple of different ideas, uh, okay. but I, I haven't locked in on one yet. All right. Well, if you need us, to, if you want to test some stuff out on a person who's, who needs the help, uh, you, know, you know where to find me. So what is the number one thing that you, when, you, when you're tracking someone's time and they say they're, you know, they're not, they're not happy with their level of productivity, other than bedtime, because we've already we've already covered bedtime. What is a, a very common thing that someone doesn't realize they're screwing up at it and need help with? Well, one of the things that um, I would say there's two things. I mean, first, just knowing what you need to do. Like a lot of people are very reactive. Um, they don't know going into a week, you know, these are the most important things for me to do. This is what I'm looking forward to. This is all I have on my plate and I've figured out the logistics and these are the times it's going to happen. Like a lot of people don't even bother with that. And of course you're not, I mean, you're going to feel behind or rushed at various points because you just don't have a good perspective. It's like rushing into a battle. If you're a general, and you aren't even looking over the land. Um, you want to make sure that you, you kind of know where you're going. But, but even beyond that, I think one of the things that trips people up a lot is that they expect that life will be perfect. Um, and, and on some, you know, obviously rationally, we know that's not true. We've lived our lives for the past however many decades and have, have noted that things seldom go as planned, um, that, that emergencies happen, that best laid plans can go awry. And yet we don't necessarily build that into our prospective view of what we will get done in any given day or week. So I'm always encouraging people to build more of a resilient schedule as opposed to a perfect schedule. And a key part of that is building in more open space. Because if every minute is booked and something comes up, as is inevitable, <laughs> because, you know, life happens, um, 
where does that go? I mean, it has to. If it's an emergency, it has to happen. So something else will get bumped. And what is that something else? Often it's something that you really wanted to do, right? It's going to get bumped to the future or it's going to get canceled completely. And you feel like you aren't getting to do the things in life that you want to do or the, you know, you never achieve the goals that don't have to happen, but you'd like to have them happen. Whereas if you have open space, then when emergencies arise, you have space to fit the emergency. And I'm not saying that you're going to leave Wednesday afternoon open and magically that's when all the bad things are going to happen in your week, like Wednesday afternoon. But if, you know, something goes wrong on Tuesday, if you have Wednesday afternoon open, the things that got bumped from Tuesday can go to Wednesday, right? And that's how you can, you know, put stuff in and not have to borrow time from the future because the future is going to have crises of its own. So that's a a great, is another one of the great points that you make is that you got to find some slots and thinking that things aren't going to be perfect. Thinking that things are going to be perfect is, is a farce, right? I, I w- was hoping you could also dive into the concept of, I'll call it outsourcing, but it's really sort of really delegation, I guess. Um, do you have any tips for people? Um, like for instance, I work with a few people that I have a hard time getting them to delegate anything. They feel like they have to do everything. And then when I look at their, for, first of all, the stress level is through the roof. And second of all, um, they're just not as effective because they're doing even the little things that I know that they could train somebody else to do. Um, do you have some advice on how to pick the things that you should delegate and hang on to the things that you should keep putting in your schedule? Um. Yeah, I mean, you do kind of have to ask, like, what what do people come to me for, right? And there, this may be different for every person. I know, I know some people who are perfectly happy to outsource email. I do not. Wow. I like that's to a bold have my, move. Yeah, well, like, I like outsource to, email. Well, well, just you know, if they get a lot of email from people, they you know will do the stuff from like close friends and family and colleagues, but other stuff will will be addressed by someone else. But I actually kind of like getting emails from random people. I, I, I don't know. I answer, I would say 90% of the email I get from people who listen to my podcasts or read my books or have found me online somewhere. Right? Cause I, I enjoy talking to those people. Um, so that's something I value doing, but other people might decide that that wasn't something that people were coming to them for, or, you know, I, I am not exactly known for graphic design. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know how to do it. Um, so I am very excited to find other people um, who, who know how to do graphic design or know how to do Wait, podcast Wait, this wasn't you mixing. right here? Yeah, we, this yeah, well, this isn't your? <laughs> that is not mine. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, well, it, there's there's a whole thing with book covers. That's It's its own special, uh, special matter. But, uh, you know, or uh, there, there's just – even um, writing rough drafts of certain things that I put out into the world, I can certainly do the last 20% of it to make it fully sound like Laura. But I would, I would throw out for people here that, you know, if you've been reading all this stuff about chat GPT and AI, like the whole idea is that it can write in the style of so-and-so. And like, well, there have been people who can do that for a long time. <laughs> Right? Like, you know, people can use that in the past, like hire somebody, write a speech for you and they get it 80% of the way there. And then you get the last 20% to make it really be you um, or, you know, podcast scripts or um, anything else you're doing along those lines. Um, you know, just think about what you are known for. Hone in on that and start making a list of sort of the other things that you either feel 
are not things that you personally need to do. They're things you don't like. Sometimes it's a lot easier to start with the things that you don't like to do. Um, and, and that, uh, you know, people are like, oh yeah, that's, that's not something I ever enjoyed doing. It's like, okay, well, you know, maybe you could pay somebody else to, to do it. And, and this is more possible now than ever in, in the past. I mean, just like the number of, you know, virtual assistant services and such yeah. that, are, that are out there. Like you don't have to be a person with a secretary sitting outside your door to, to have, um, administrative right. help. I, so I'm, I'm, it's so weird that you, you went into the chat GPT thing, because one of the questions I wanted to ask you as an accomplished author was your thoughts on that, right? It's a little off topic, but um, for those that, that are, I guess, under a rock and don't know what chat GPT is, it's this um, public facing artificial intelligence engine that you can go to right now, just search chat GPT and you'll find it and you can log in and you can ask it anything and ask it to write things. Um, I asked it, uh, I started a company called ProctorU, which was a, a company that did exam monitoring on the internet for schools, and and I asked it to write a rap song in the style of Kanye West about the company I started, and it like like perfect to a T wrote an incredible like the things that it can do. It can write sales scripts and everything, and um, just out of curiosity, I, I one night I typed five to ten minutes of kind of the early parts of my career and life story. And I asked it, what would the first chapter of, or an introduction of a book about that story look like? And it spit out an awesome chapter, right? That was really good. You mentioned earlier the concept of ghostwriting. And that has been out there a long time. Do you feel like use of an AI engine to, you already talked about building rough drafts, but to ghostwrite things, is that unethical? Do you feel, I know it's going to change the industry, but do you feel like that's wrong or that there are limits to how you should use that? Um, I mean, I'm sure there are some, and I still think that writing is going to be a useful skill for people to have. Um, you know, just, it, it, but I think it's going to be a tool like anything else, and it can make certain things easier. And, you know, if that is writing rough drafts of things, that you then go in and make it better. Right. I, I don't see yeah. how there's anything problematic about that. I mean, I think there's there's obviously already been issues with some of this. I mean, there was a case of a lawyer who used it to write a, dra a brief and, and apparently the AI totally just made up some of the cases oh. it was citing. <laughs> it was like, oh, this is what looks like a reasonable case citation. <laughs> it's like this this case doesn't exist. Um, and, and, and so, you know, there's, there's some problems. Like you're going to have to be knowledgeable enough to figure out where those problems are are but this has always been something in the sense that you know people could outsource to somebody earning three dollars an hour in a developing country somewhere you know writing english it's actually not that hard to write english if somebody yeah. has learned it and and i you can't ever be somebody offering a commodity as a mm. business you know unless it's something that has to be done in person right you know if you're at the moment many sort of like medical procedures still have to kind of be done in person or you know it's hard to hire chat GPT to paint your house. Like that, that's something right, you yeah. still need to do. But, um, you know, if you are a commodity that can obviously be outsourced and it could in the past, now it's just a little bit easier through technology to, to outsource it. But if you are something that is uniquely you, that is different. And so I don't know if, if maybe chat GPT is going to invent a lady who's an awesome time management expert <laughs> who has a believable life story of, you know, what she's doing and all that, that like good for it. If it can, yeah. it, it, 
at the moment, I don't think that's the case. And so people still come to me because sure. they want me. And if you want to build a career as something as an expert, they want you want people to want you as opposed to just, I need a thousand words on X. Yeah, so that yeah. you can get wherever. No, it's, it's, it's a good point. I think I used it. I actually used it this morning when I was building some sales talk tracks for one of my companies. And I couldn't, I just couldn't quite crack the way I wanted to do. So I, I went into chat GPT and like just described the product and here's what I'm trying to do. And try, and then I, and then, and then I asked it, how would Zig Ziglar sell this? Right. And it <laughs> literally did it in the style of, Zig. I mean, it was, it's incredible, but I agree with you. It's like a, it's like anything else that has come out. Uh, it's a tool and it will change the way th it will change what, we think it means to be intelligent. I think it used to be, if you could write something, if I could produce you a written thing and it was really, really well done, um, you're like, wow, what a great writer. I think now, you know, it will, it will, you'll, you'll have to be a little more suspect about that. I, I saw an academic paper. I wish I had written this down so I could quote it correctly. But there was an academic paper that, that was put out talking about how um, – artificial intelligence and things like chat GPT were going to um, fundamentally change the way that papers would need to be graded in college. And it got published and everyone was talking about this paper about how thought provoking it was. And, hey, he's really right. And then I think it was like a week later, the guy came out and said, yeah, chat GPT wrote that paper. <laughs> and so, right. It really proved its point yeah. um, that it's going to be hard to detect. Um, I don't know. I just feel like, and I'm going to check our skewers one more time. I feel like we have, um, reached another sort of point in history where things are um if you're not sort of keeping up with that change especially if you're in business it's going to be a tough kind of a tough thing to keep up with because it's gonna i mean here i'm competing with companies um you know we have the tough dog garage floor thing i'm competing with other garage floor uh companies and i'm using the best and brightest people i can find through through the usage of ai to write the way we talk to our customers, you know, which is a kind of a crazy way to think about it. We're looking pretty good here, by yeah. the way. How do you how do you like your steak? Just curious. Uh, you know, medium usually, um, little pink on the center, but not not too not too pink. I'm a little a little uh, I'm a little light on these. I'm kind of hovering at like a little below medium rare, which is I think I tried Give to not overdo it, and now I'm giving it now I'm giving it too much. Um, so Laura. Excited to see what you write next. Um, I think everybody that is trying to accomplish something could benefit from diving into your material. So I encourage you guys to go out and check out Tranquility by Tuesday, available everywhere books are sold, right? Yep. Including yep. Hopefully uh, you, you found it in a random bookstore. So I was going to say, including be like random beachside bookstores <laughs> is available there, um, but also Amazon. Um, I listened to Tranquility by Tuesday. Half of it I listened to on Audible, so it's available on audiobook too. Um, but if they wanted to follow your podcast or anything like that, where could they find you? Yeah, so I have two podcasts. Um, one is called Before Breakfast, which is a short every weekday morning tip that can help you oh, take, nice. your, take your day from great to awesome. It's only about five minutes, so you know, listen to it while you're making your coffee in the morning or brushing your hair, putting on your makeup, whatever it is your listeners are doing. Um, and uh, you, know, you can hopefully feel better about your day. Put it in your morning routine. Um, I also have a podcast uh, called Best of Both Worlds that I co-host with my friend Sarah Hart Unger. We talk issues of work and family uh, from the perspective of people who truly love both. 
Uh, so every every week we have a new episode that comes out on Tuesdays. So I hope people will check that out as well. That's awesome. We'll check that out. Laura, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I was hoping I'd have the skewers done so I could make everybody jealous eating them on <laughs> camera. Maybe, maybe next time. I'll have to eat maybe my lunch time. in secret. Um, thank you for being here. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. If you found something valuable in this episode, would you please tell somebody about it or forward this to someone else? Follow us on social media. Give us a, a like and a follow everywhere you see us, and we'll see you next time on the Slow Smoke Business Show.